auctions are hard. They, you're not gonna be able to run into a deal like that all the time. I think we got very lucky. If I go back now and I look at the same Hubzoo website, there'll be houses in the same location for over $200,000 that they're asking for. So we got a, we got a $40,000 discount and it's you really it's really just right place, right time. And you really have to be looking and diving deeper into it into what you can afford and what actually makes sense. This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will teach you how to build wealth with real estate without buying yourself another job. I'm your host, Taylor Lote, and today our guest is Dylan Onarevely. Dylan is a young man who got started in real estate relatively recently as a realtor. He's 21 years old, and today we're going through a case study of a deal that he recently helped an investor close through an auction. It's a really interesting case study because auctions have kind of come and gone in popularity in my time in real estate investing as the real estate market has gotten more and less competitive as the interest rates and economy have changed. And it looks like, hey, maybe auctions are making a comeback. So today we're digging into a very interesting case study of how they found a deal, evaluated its value, evaluated the renovation costs that it would take on this particular property, closed it, made an attractive offer, everything around that. We're really digging into an interesting case study today. And we also discuss Dylan's perspective as a young person in real estate. I know a lot of folks who are trying to get started in real estate as young people who think that they can't do it. They have some limiting beliefs around getting started. I started in real estate when I was 25. Dylan is 21. Now today I'm into my mid thirties, but I think that perspective of a young person in real estate who doesn't listen to limiting beliefs is highly valuable. And for those of you out there who are young and are at least thinking about getting started, Dylan has some helpful tools and mental strategies that you can use to get around your limiting beliefs. Once again, I'm your host, Taylor Lode. I'm a real estate investor, and I focus on multifamily and self-storage investing. If you'd like to learn more about potentially investing with us in the future, just go to investwithtaylor.com or click the link in the show notes. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every weekday. Right now, let's talk with Dylan. Dylan, thanks for joining us today. Could you tell us a bit about yourself, your background, and why you got into real estate? Yes, of course. So I... Started off my real estate journey learning from my dad and my mom. My mom is a part-time realtor and my dad is a real estate investor. He also works in the construction industry. And they pretty much from a young age, when I was 18 years old, they kind of pushed me to work toward getting my real estate license. And I was very, not really against it, but I was like pushing back because I was like, oh, I'm only 18, only 19 years old. And uh, so I didn't really focus on making that uh, a priority. So I went to school, I ended up going to college for a year and I played baseball there. After the first year, I was a little iffy about if I wanted to continue with school just because I, I don't think it was for me. So I dropped out and I was like fully dedicated towards becoming a realtor. And I took the school exam, passed it, state exam, passed it, then now and then I became a realtor when I was 20 and I've been in the business for about six months now and it has been a great journey. I've learned so much about the real estate industry and people always tell me that a joint is a very difficult time and one thing that I say to myself is that if I can make it through this time, I can make it through any time. So I take that as a challenge 
my experience so far has been really good being able to work with a lot of investors, being that my dad is in that field and just, he also knows a bunch of people like that. And the one thing that I really tried to focus on a lot was focusing on my sphere of influence and making sure everyone that I knew prior to me becoming a realtor knows that I'm a realtor now. And that has really, I've gotten so many opportunities and a lot of, uh, a lot of good, cool experiences because of that. Awesome. So you recently won an auction, which, you know, it's interesting that when I was starting in real estate many moons ago, auctions were kind of tough to win because people were getting involved in real estate. This was a few years before COVID. And then COVID happened and auctions became almost non-existent because everything was just selling immediately. Properties weren't making it to auction. But that seems to be changing today. First off, let's start about by talking about the auction that you won, and then we'll get into the strategy that we can use to win auctions today. Yeah. So there are multiple different auction sites. There's like auction.com and like a whole bunch. But the one thing that I used was hubzoo.com. And pretty much I was working with an investor and they told me they wanted to purchase in a a specific county. So I thought I'd give it a shot, go on hubzoo.com. And I went there, searched the county and I had to make the real realtor account. And when I pulled up the county, it just showed a list of houses and it was, it had a ticking timer that was like, it starts at a week. So it starts at seven days and then it goes down to go six days and 40 or whatever, four hours and 38 seconds and it just keeps going down. And then it shows in the middle, it shows a picture of the house. It shows like a few pictures of the house, just like an MLS would. And then it shows either the current highest bid, which means that there is at least one bid, but probably multiple on there, or it shows the starting bid, which means that's when HubZoo uploaded it, that's the the number that everyone has to bid upon just like a typical auction. So what I did was I found a house. I was like, this seems like a great house. And we didn't even look at it just because the, we didn't go, I didn't go show it because the price was so great. The price was, it started at 130 and it was a three bed, two and a half bath on in a lake community up in Sussex County in Northern New Jersey. And I sent it to my client and they, he was like, let's put him, let's make a move on this. So I submitted the offer for, I think it was 140 at the time, so $10,000 higher. And then I put the computer away. Hubzoo is a very, Hubzoo is like, it seems a little sketchy, but it's, it's really not. So I just put the computer away. I had the highest bid at the time. There was about two days left in the auction. And then the next day I got an email saying that I got outbid. So I went back on there. I think the bid was only for 145. So they outbid me by 5,000. So then I just bid again and I bid 155,000. And then by the time I had, the time expired, I had the highest bid. So they just emailed me saying that I won the bid, Hubs, you did. And then it came with all the realtor information that per, the lady was listing it. And a few days went by and I was thinking the lady was going to reach out to me, but she didn't reach out to me. I had to give her a call. I'd be like, what's going on here? Do I have to write a contract? Like, what's going on? And she, she pretty much, since it was an auction, she said she'll take care of it. She wrote the contract up and it signed on all sides. And then we closed uh, about like a month and a half later. 
Great. So really winning the bid by highest and best, but there's so much in there that, you know, putting an offer or helping your client put an offer on a property that they haven't seen in person because the, Hey, the price is so attractive. It's in such and such an area and has these features that, you know, we feel pretty comfortable with the situation, but so it was, it was listed for 130, you ended up getting it for 155. But what was the kind of fair market value or ARV or however you looked at it so that you could see that 130 or 155 was a very compelling price? Yeah. So that was one thing that I had to look into before I even said put in an offer. Yeah. And the lake community that it's in is very wishy washy, I would say, because if your house is actually on the lake, the house is worth $900,000 plus. But this house was unfortunately like a street back. So there was the main street with the house on the lake on that side. And then the left-hand side was where the house was. So it has a decent view of the lake, but it wasn't as expensive. And the ARV of the area, my uh, the comps that I took from it was about 290,000. So I was thinking to myself, okay, how much work is going to need this. And thankfully the investor client that I was working with is in construction. So it was through the pictures that he looked at, he kind of gave like a rough estimate and we made the numbers work out. So do you recall what his estimate was as far as the potential costs for construction? And then we'll also talk about what it ended up being or what it ended up looking like once he closed on the property. What did it look like from the outset? So yeah, it was pretty much a complete gut. The house was kind of all really bad. It was more of the location buying into it and into the lake community and knowing that the rent would be pretty much anywhere above $2,500 a month. So it was, it's, it was a great deal. So he, we ended up getting the closing costs with all of that. It ended up being 162,000 for the client all in, in the beginning. And then under his estimate for how much the cost would be, it was around $100,000. So he, he, after all renovations are done, they're still doing renovations right now. After all that's done, it's going to be around 260000 and it'll reappraise for about two ninety. dollars I would, I would assume. So at the end of the day, he got about a $30,000 discount versus what he would have paid, which Hey, not bad. $30,000 off is a, is a pretty good deal. So let's talk about the actual closing process because a lot of these auction sites or how, whoever it's being auctioned off by, you basically need to have cash ready to go, but based on your closing time frame and everything, sounds like probably not. Did he use a mortgage? What did the whole financial side of the transaction look like? Yeah, so it was an all cash offer. The reason why it was a month and a half for the closing date was because usually auctions are foreclosed on and this one wasn't. This one was just a guy's, I think, second home. And it was listed for a period of time on the MLS, but it was then taken off, I guess. I don't know if they didn't get enough offers or whatever the deal was. And the listing agent probably thought it was just a better idea to put it on on this auction site. And pretty much what happened was we put in the offer that I think they were actually only accepting cash. That might've been, that might've been one of the one of the big parts of the reason why we got it. And the reason why it took 45, 45 days was because it ended up getting pushed back because there were open permits 
on the smoke detectors that the seller had to take care of. So they had to push it back like two weeks. And that was kind of annoying, but we, we closed on it. We closed good. So how did that come up? Was that a permitting issue did that come up in like the title search process? How did you find out about that? It did come up in the title search process and that was a complete shock. The seller didn't even know. So it was like, oh my gosh, sorry, we have to get the fire department to come here and schedule it. So they had to schedule the, the fire department coming and then get it all fixed up. I don't know why it took two weeks, but hey, that I, it was, I was on like, just, all right, let me know what's going on. We, we want this house. And the, the listing agent pretty much took care of it. Do you know what the cost on the seller's side of getting that handled wound up being? It seems like that, I don't even know, that could be an expensive process depending on where you are and, and what's required, but but was it expensive? Yeah, I don't know necessarily. I don't assume that it was it was that much. I Yeah, but again, I wasn't really hands-on with it. It was mainly the seller's side. Gotcha. Okay. So let's talk a bit about potentially expanding on this auction strategy and working with other investors within auctions. If you were to take away any big lessons from this experience, what would you take away from this transaction and winning the auction on the deal? Yeah, well, I would say number one, auctions are hard. They You're not going to be able to run into a deal like that all the time. I think we got very lucky if I go back now and I look at the same Hubzoo website, there'll be houses in the same location for over $200,000 that they're asking for. So we got a, we got a $40,000 discount and it's, you really, it's really just right place, right time. And you really have to be looking and diving deeper into it. And so what you can afford and what actually makes sense. So, so that was another huge part where you really had to look at the comps beforehand because if we were to buy in, in an area that didn't have that, for example, the, the, the town that we bought in is a very small town and a lot of the town is in the lake community. But if you go outside the lake community, the, the house prices are super, super low. So if it was just in that town of Branchville, which is what it was, Branchville, New Jersey, you go outside of there, the ARV probably won't match up and the return on investment likely not be there. So in these small communities like this, where it's kind of specialized, I would expect it's probably kind of hard to find comps, especially for properties that aren't on the lakefront. Was that difficult for you in finding something that wasn't lakefront and coming up with comps to come to the 290 number? So that it was a little bit. I went into a, a little bit of a problem finding the exact house. Luckily, what happened was the house right next door sold about two months prior and they sold for about 270. And that one was on, that was a three bed, one bath. So that was, that's like a really good comparable right there. And then a little bit down the street, it was a little hard because the houses, again, like what you were saying, are very, they don't perform. The house to the left of it actually is, is a five bed, three and a half bath. That's $650,000. So if they don't conform, that was kind of a struggle, but I looked at, there was about like four houses on the same street that were nearly the exact same. So I was able to take the comps from that. Great. So let's talk a bit about being a young guy who's in the real estate space. I think when people that are younger want to get started in real estate, they have a a mental block, a limiting belief around, I'm too young, nobody's going to take me seriously. 
There's so many things that I don't know on and on. Lots of limiting beliefs going in. How have you dealt with those? I mean, you've got your family and everything, which is great, but still you want to go prove yourself. How have you dealt with any, I'm a young guy type of limiting beliefs if you had them? Yeah, no, I definitely did. I did for a long time. And mentors really told me, because I actually, one thing that I mainly focus on is posting on social media and proving that I know a lot. I think that's number one. And show like any sort of knowledge that you have will go over the experience. If you have a little bit, little experience, but you have tons and tons of knowledge about the, about whatever topic you're talking about, then you'll do just fine. But a mentor of mine, when I was trying to post on social media, I was like, oh, I've only been in the industry for two months and I've closed this many deals. He told me not to say that because no one needs to know that, you, that you've only been in for two months. So I truly really took that to heart and was like, you're right. I could just, I'm better than, you got to have that like kind of cocky attitude where it's, I'm better than some of these people, some of these realtors who've been in the industry for 10 years plus. I may not know as much as them, but I'm damn, I know damn sure I'm going to get to that point where I know more and I'm going to be more determined than they are to do the best for my client. So that was kind of the attitude that I needed to have. And it was a tough switch in the beginning, but I went through a lot of ups and downs experiences in order to kind of get that. And the problem that I really experienced was the getting to let other realtors know that you're not just a rookie. That was a huge thing. I've been able to get a lot of my offers accepted by getting a great communication and relationship with the listing agent, my buyers. And a lot of the times there'll be, it'll be a realtor that won't like to do business with a younger, inexperienced realtor. So that's one problem that I kind of went through getting, but I made sure that was a a priority for myself and and building my, building my ability to speak with realtors and making that a a skill set of mine. Great. So you mentioned, uh, at least before we started recording about this being a, a tough time to get into real estate, or at least that's what a lot of folks are saying. And that may or may not be true, but if you can make it through this time, then you should be able to make it through any time. In speaking with your more experienced colleagues or people that have been around longer, if you will, uh, and, and getting their perspective on the market today, what are you picking up as far as the the state of the market today, at least in the case of Northern New Jersey, are you seeing realtors kind of drop out of the market because there are so few transactions, it's hard to get enough commissions coming in to justify being a realtor? What are you picking up about the market? Yes, it's a great question. There, to add to your point right there that you said, there are a lot of realtors that are dropping out. And another thing is there are also a lot of realtors joining teams. I myself actually, I, so I started off as a solo agent and I just joined a team. They are, it's a phenomenal system that I just joined. Just wanted to do a little plug there for that. But for, in terms of the market, it's been really tough. Like I said, if you're a li- if you're a primarily a listing agent, so you're the one who are working with the sellers, you're having a really great time because you're having a bunch of offers come in, especially in Northern New Jersey. Houses are going for crazy high. There was a house right down the road from mine, actually, that was listed for 449 and it sold for 625. So it's absurd. And the one thing that I really picked up on was 
it's a lot of the people who are selling right now are either people who are just getting old and want to move out of the area or a lot of the things in the area primarily where I am at is younger families moving out and moving up to bigger houses and they're upsizing. So one thing that I've really noticed in me being in the newer part of my career, I've really focused on, like I said before, nurturing that relationship with the listing agents so that if I do ever run into them in the future, my buyers will be able to get first dibs on any sort of and any sort of offer that we put in. But I, for the sellers, they're, people are selling and the, they're being enticed by the crazy high price that they'll be able to get for their house. And obviously the interest rates are super high. I'm not a, I'm not a mortgage lender. I can't professionally speak on that, but I know that with these interest rates, it's making a lot of sellers that typically would sell if they weren't in those two categories that I mentioned before, not sell because of the interest rates are so high and they've locked down to three, three percent or lower. So why would they sell, right? The, the reason why they would sell and the argument that's running around the industry is that it's either sell your house right now or, and go like, obviously you have to sell your house to find a new one. So either buy it now or sell it now and and let's look from the buyer side. So if you buy it now, yeah, you may have a 7% interest rate, but if you buy it in a year when the interest rate goes down to five, that means you're gonna have X amount of more people wanting to buy the same house. So yeah, houses may be going for really high right now, but in a year they could be going for $100,000 more because it's gonna be a bidding war. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so much to trying to predict the future about all of these, right? Because we're hoping, I guess hoping, but kind of not expecting prices to fall, at least in the single family space. And when we're not seeing that prices are up in most areas, as you mentioned. So if that dynamic does occur, rates stay high for a little while and then they drop down, then we could see a further run up in, in prices of real estate. I guess the question is how long do prices hold out do rates continue to stay high? Does that continue to affect the market? We, we don't really know, but I think a drop in rates that significant would likely create a lot of uh, a lot more demand or enable a lot more demand because the PITI uh, would, would go down the mortgage payments. So interesting. Okay. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. All right, Dylan, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? Yes. Great. First one, what is your number one book recommendation? So I'm not going to go the original route that people who watch this podcast are going to think like Rich Dad, Poor Dad. That's a phenomenal one. I'm going to put that at number one. And then number two, I would suggest right now as a realtor, the one book that I've kind of used as my Bible is The Millionaire Real Estate Agent by Gary Keller, who is the, was the broker and founder of Keller Williams. And he just lists out phenomenal ways to go about being a real estate agent. And also you learn a lot about just real estate in general. So whether you're a real estate investor or a realtor, you'll get a lot out of that book. Nice. We haven't had that recommendation so far, actually. So I appreciate that. Question number two, who or what inspires you? Yes, that's a common question I ask myself because that is a motivating factor for myself. I am only 21 right now, so I don't have a wife or a family, 
But that's one thing that I think about a lot is that I want to put in the work right now so I can provide for my wife and my kids in the future and not have them worry about any financial problems at all. Creating that vision and being inspired by the vision and the, the person that's not quite there yet, but they will be one day. Exactly. I appreciate that. Question number three, Dylan, think about yourself at 80 years old. What advice does 80-year-old Dylan give to Dylan of today? Yeah, I, I would hope that 80-year-old Dylan is very proud of the progress that I've made in the future and this, the steps that I'm taking right now. I want to work really hard and I want to be a very successful person, but I also want to live a balanced life. I don't want to have my work life overthrow the, the life that I actually want to create outside of work. So like I said, family, friends, just doing stuff that I enjoy. Like we were talking about the mixed martial arts, doing stuff like that. I want my 80 year old self to look at the, look at who I am right now and not just make myself a, a, a workaholic and enjoy the youth that I'm living right now. And while also still prepping for my, my financial future and my, my career in the future. I appreciate that. As they say, youth is wasted on the young, but it's not wasted on everybody. At least you understand that you have that. And, and I want to thank you for joining us today and sharing this knowledge. If folks want to reach out and get in touch, where can they find you? So yeah, they can find me on Instagram. It's at doRealEstate.nj. And I also have, that's on all social platforms. So YouTube, Facebook, all that sort of stuff. I also have a podcast that hopefully we're going to, we're going to get things rolling with as well. It's uh, that's called the pursuit show. So I'm sure we can talk about that later. You can find that on all platforms as well. Awesome. Well, thank you once again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every weekday. Right now, I hope you have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk to you on the next one.